Hello, everybody, and welcome to our San Diego Comic-Con at Home edition of the Skewed and Reviewed Skewedcast. I'm Gareth, creator of Skewed and Reviewed, and you can catch us not only online at sknr.net, but at Pinal, P-I-N-A-L, central.com, keyword skewed. You can see our video game reviews. I appear each week on BJ Shea's Geek Nation on KISWFM, and we have the simulcast on our page. You should put it up on Fridays. And, of course, there is our magazine, Skewed and Reviewed, the magazine, as well as syndication. We cover all things movies, games, television, pop culture, conventions, travel theme parks, and, of course, collectibles, entertainment, anything in the world of pop culture. So uh, joining us is Gabby. She's uh, used to do a lot of coverage for us out here on the West Coast. She's moved out toward the East Coast. And, of course, Justin and Michael are with us, so once we get past the introduction stuff, we're going to have a look at some of the panels that stood out uh, during the virtual San Diego Comic-Con Online uh, for each of us, then maybe discuss things we were surprised we saw, things we were a little surprised we didn't see or hear about, and go from there. Before we get to that, I do have a couple of things really quick I wanted to mention. Uh, the first off is Sennheiser has the new Epos. GSX 3000, uh, excuse me, 300 gaming series external sound cards. So this has been one of the new things now that I'm coming from the day when you plugged a sound blaster into your uh, cabinet and then you, you know, went from there. And of course, it got to a point where a lot of manufacturers said, well, the sound card that is built into the motherboards is of equal or superior quality, so you have no need for a sound card to be plugged into one of your slots. So companies started going more and more toward external sound cards, which gave you greater range of options, greater range of controls. You just plug in your non-USB headsets into it and go from there. So this is the latest one out. It's uh, reasonably priced. You can pick them up for under $80, so it's definitely one that you want to look into. comes in white and black, so you can pick a color scheme that best suits your desktop motif and go from there. Next up is one that I'm actually really excited over, and even though I'm going to be showing a little bit of age by talking about this, it is the Blu-ray release, the long-anticipated Blu-ray release of the classic Wonder Woman series, the complete collection on uh, Blu-ray. Now, this is the Linda Carter one that ran for a couple seasons back in the 70s. They've taken all the episodes, they have done a digital remaster on them, so the picture and sound quality is great, and it includes every, um, you know, episode, as I said, 59 episodes plus the pilot movie on 10 discs, and then, of course, you have commentary by Linda Carter, which alone is fantastic, uh, executive producer commentary, and more, and there's courses uh, are featurettes as well. So, if you are a fan of Wonder Woman, if you are a fan of superheroes or even 70s nostalgic TV, you're definitely going to want to check that out. And last but not least, Scooby Doo fans will be thrilled to know that there is a new game coming out from Wizards of the Coast, and what they have is Betrayal at Mystery Mansion. It is out, and it is a uh, puzzle game, and so it's a new board game, and essentially, if you played Scooby-Doo, you know what you have to do. You have to play as the gang and solve 
the mystery. And so it's very interesting to see how this plays out. You can get it at places like Amazon, Walmart. It retails for $35, and it's definitely one that you want to look at. It's um, a lot of fun, actually, you know, for people who are big fans of this type of game and Scooby-Doo. All right, so switching gears, San Diego Comic-Con at home. We've talked a lot about the reason why um, they had to go at home. Obviously, it's due to the coronavirus. Uh, free for everybody. They had over 350 panels approximately online. We talked in the past about it was a little surprising that there weren't more film um, panels, but then we realized that that is due largely to the uncertainty over when these things can be released. It's not like a typical year where they promote something in Hall H, which is opening at Christmas time, next spring, next year, uh, reveals of stuff that are coming soon, that sort of thing. So why don't we start off with Justin? Why don't you tell us what uh, headlines really stood out to you during the uh, course of the show? Yeah, so I mean, like like you just said, there's there was a lot of content here uh, for the convention overall. Uh, but a few of the things that kind of stood out to me, um, you know, there was a, a panel that of the the cast of the 2005 Constantine movie, which you know I was a huge fan of. And they kind of talk about how. Um, there were several attempts to make a sequel, uh, which I obviously would have uh, would have loved that. But um, you know, as is what happens in the industry quite often, uh, things fell apart, things fell through. Um, but it was very kind of interesting to kind of go back um, and kind of look at the behind the scenes of that movie and its attempts to make a sequel. Um, some other kind of big headlines that kind of stood out to me: um, Joss or uh, Zack Snyder kind of talked about the. Um, the his cut of the Justice League, which obviously is um, you know one of the the larger uh, internet phenomenons that has happened in the last couple of years of a lot of people trying to push for the Zack Snyder cut. Um, he has talked about how uh, there will not be a single frame from Joss Whedon's re, re, reshoots of that movie, which is kind of interesting. Uh, we'll we'll have to kind of wait and see how that turns out. Um, lastly, you know, uh, I'm a huge Mega Man fan, and supposedly there's a live-action Mega Man movie, and it is actually still happening. So uh, they talked about that a little bit, um, and supposedly there's going to be big news coming soon on that. But uh, like you said, I mean, there was a lot of content there. I mean, even some movie news that we weren't really expecting. Um, you know, not exactly like, you know, big theatrical news or trailers, but, uh, you know, talks, you know, some talks about some old movies and maybe some some reshoots that might be releasing on like HBO and things like that. But uh, overall, you know, pretty great, pretty large show. Yeah, yeah, lots of good stuff there, and I know we'll be expanding on some of this a bit later. Um, Gabby, why don't you tell us what stood out to you? Yeah, so uh, I was able to catch uh, the Guillermo del Toro, uh, Scott Cooper panel, um, them talking about antlers and filmmaking. That was really interesting um, for the fact that Scott Cooper, like his usual filmmaking is you know black mass out of the furnace and then you have Guillermo del Toro which is very much like more supernatural and so it's very interesting to see what kind of like how antler will be um and so they kind of talked about a little bit about the movie process um kind of like why Guillermo del Toro likes physical medium still that was really interesting um but it's also like Scott Cooper's first supernatural film so that was pretty um, interesting. It was. Just, it's going to be interesting to see how they both work together within that. Um, just because I don't know, like 
Guillermo del Toro's last film, Shape of the Water, was okay, in my opinion. So, we'll see. And then I watched um, Sailor Moon had um, kind of like a panel about power of female friendship. Um, and next year is actually the 30th anniversary of the original Sailor Moon manga, which I find pretty great. Uh, but there was a lot of anime lacking within it. Um, there was a lot of cartoons, though within the panels like i caught the bob's burgers panel um i didn't even know they were doing a movie maybe it's because i'm just living under a rock right now in quarantine um but apparently that's coming out next year in 2021 and then there's this new show um hitting fox called hoops which has jake johnson um it's about like a basketball coach who wants to turn his terrible basketball team into winners but it's a bit more like adult cartoon comedy um, which the, the clip they showed is pretty interesting because um, it was a bit more like a little, little more like adult than I would think Fox would put on like their normal network but those were kind of what stood out and then last night I actually caught one of like their events that they were doing through Screener the app and like there was this huge community event um, with watching Scott Pilgrim versus the world um, which it was its 10th anniversary, but it was a really interesting way of them like approaching programming. But those are kind of what stood out for me this week. That's well, interesting stuff there for sure. There, you know, there was so much, and it's so hard to pin down. And I also think we're going to see a lot of stuff possibly come out in the days and weeks ahead because we've talked about um, – off show we've talked about how there's still some other events coming like dc has got their fandom and they will discuss some of their upcoming films and people are saying well what about the um cw shows that are always such a staple of comic-con and my response to that is they're not filming so it's kind of hard to show you anything especially when they hadn't even weren't even able to complete the seasons in some extent uh before we get on to that and other things michael what do you have for us uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I also watched the Guillermo, uh, Guillermo del Toro one, and I, the, speaking of the physical medium, I think he said he had 7,000 Blu-rays or something that he has in his collection. He kind of talks about how his, you know, outside of Antlers, which to me looks phenomenal, I'm really excited for that movie to come out. Um, he did talk about, you know, the physical medium stuff and how he, what he likes about the physical medium, and particularly like in the Blu-rays and, and that sort of stuff is the added extra features that they get added in that you don't get with the digital releases. So things like the behind the scenes, you know, talking to the actors, talking to the directors, um, those types of things. He says those are some of the things he likes to just go back and watch, even outside of just the movie itself, seeing the, you know, the discussion with the crew and the cast and, and the production and all that sort of stuff he finds really fascinating. Uh, and I'm I kind of on that same, that same mix myself, especially when it comes to movies. I tend to be more of a, a physical medium type of person. Used to be that way with games. I'm starting to come around a little bit. You know, Steam obviously I use for PC, but for console gaming, I, I, I tend to be uh, still very media driven. Uh, but I can agree. I mean, not that I necessarily watch all the behind the scenes stuff myself and the Blu-rays, but something about having the physical medium and, and having that, you know, that copy to kind of commemorate the release. Um, maybe I'm just old school that way. But I found it really interesting how he kind of talked about you know the filmmaking process how they kind of talked about their their distinctions about how different they both are but how they were coming together to work on this project and again the the preview got to see a preview of it 
Um, it looks really good, so I'm pretty excited about that. Um, I got to see a little bit of the HBO Lovecraft Country. Uh, for those who aren't familiar with that, it's a Jordan Peele production uh, about the 50s, and and um, there's a there's a mix of uh, you know it's based on family and the the interactions with family and the drama that comes with family, but it has a Lovecraftian take on it. Um, they even showed a Cthulhu, which I thought was pretty interesting in the actual trailer itself. So it's going to kind of have the a lot of the you know civil rights stuff, stuff that was going on in the 50s and 60s, but also the how that ties in with the Lovecraftian theme um, and kind of tying in the the supernatural elements of that. So it seems really interesting. Um, something that that'll obviously be really interesting to see. I think it comes out. I want to say August uh, is when it premieres on HBO. I know it's it's coming fairly soon. Um, a couple of other things. I'm sure Garrett, you'll probably talk about this a bit. Um, the Bill and Ted Face the Music was a phenomenal panel. What I found mostly interesting, kind of humorous about that, is both Samira Weaving and Bridget Lundy Payne, who play the daughters of you know Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter, had never seen any of the Bill and Ted's. They weren't even familiar with what Bill and Ted's was when they went to do the, their um, ca the role, the casting. Samara Weaving was saying that her uh, boyfriend, husband, whoever, um, who was with her was a big fan, and when she got the part, or they, they came and said, hey, we want to have you, you know, audition for this part, he got all excited and started, you know, quoting, um, you know, some Bill and Ted references, saying, you know, bogus and excellent and all that. And she was totally at a loss. So what they did is they ended up binge-watching both the um, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and Bogus Journey prior to her going in to do the, the, you know, the audition, which is the opposite of what Bridget Lundy Payne did. She didn't want to spoil the experience. So she literally had not seen, other than a, a, a sound clip about how they talk, she literally had not seen either movie prior to auditioning for the role. Um, so it's it's kind of funny because and she you knows she's like well it's you know a bit outside my time I was born in you know '92 and all this sort of stuff and it's funny to see how something that you know I personally see as a huge cult classic something that I would assume even younger generations today would be familiar with how both of these people who are going to be major characters in this new movie had never even heard of it let alone seen the movies. Um, so it's just kind of funny that, that I guess it ages me a bit, makes me kind of think about how, how, how these things that I think are pivotal and iconic to our, you know, to my time growing up, you know, cause I saw both these, I saw, I think Bill and Ted's when I was in high school in the theater, um, how these were, you know, things that I thought were pivotal generationally speaking. And yet there's still, we're starting to see some, I guess, generational gaps in some of these movies. So I think it'll be, it's interesting because it'll bring, for those who have, weren't familiar with it, now they're going to have some familiarity with it. For those who hadn't seen the other movies, with this coming out, it's going to draw some of the attention there. So I really would be, um, it's really going to be kind of curious to see how, again, we see these, these movies that, you know, they talked about having a, a third movie or a sequel. You know, we're, we talked about, you know, uh, Ghostbusters with the actual Ghostbusters 3 um coming out, where we're supposed to come out this summer, being pushed back, how that's drawing people in who maybe weren't familiar with that franchise and bringing this, these franchises to a new generation. So I thought that was um, really, really interesting how they talked about that. And 
and, and just to see that, you know, maybe we can start filling in some of these generational gaps with some of these uh, franchises that I know personally I, I love. And then the last thing I think I'll talk about, I mean, there's so much we could go on about, uh, but Kevin Smith did his, um, uh, an evening with Kevin Smith, kind of his monologue where he kind of talks about the projects he's working on. And he talked about um, Kilroy was here, which is kind of like a, he kind of mentioned it kind of like a, a creep show-ish type of show where there's a, a monster that's kind of pivotal to each piece, but it's about the individual story. It's kind of like, you know, for those who are familiar with the creep show um, uh, series of uh, films were, where they're kind of short stories. And yes, there is the creep show character who's kind of the narrator, kind of the kind of interacts a bit with some of the story aspects of it, but it's really less about the, the character Kilroy in this perspective, in this instance, and more about the individual stories and, and the different short stories. So, looks really interesting, excited for that, but I think me, one of the things that I think was most exciting that Kevin Smith talked about was the Masters of the Universe um, show that's coming out on Netflix, and what I think what I'm most excited about is he's they're, he said not only is there a great cast, which is important, but they're going to make it almost as if it's a continuation of the 80s cartoon. So they're not looking to reinvent the cartoon. They're not looking to reinvent the characters. They're not looking to reinvent the stories. It's literally supposed to be something you could pick up and take the original 80s super cheesy um, Master of the Universe cartoon, which I still love, and carry it on into a new, again, another generational thing where people will be like, oh, this is, you know, interesting. Now, how that translates to the newest generational kids and, and who that's, whether that's going to be a draw for them or more for the adult crowd uh, in Netflix, I can't say. But I like that instead of trying to recreate the wheel, redo the story, reimagine Maps of the Universe, it's literally going to be a continuation from the, the showy that, you know, a lot of us love back in the day. So really really excited about about that aspect of it so yeah i thought there were some really interesting um shows um the last one uh that i'll talk about real briefly is uh one today was the state of the tabletop industry which we know um board gaming has has had seen a revolution um it had probably about the past seven eight years it had really come back um to from being a you know a monopoly experience to all these new experiences and how we know that tabletop gaming is more social. I mean, part of the reason it came back so huge was I think there was a there was kind of a disconnect with people playing video games, being online, not having that in-person experience. Well, that's what the board game kind of brought back. It brought back friends gathering around a table playing games. But unfortunately, what's happened with the pandemic is now that has kind of turned into something that is now going virtual like game, video games, but in the sense that you're, you know, they're using Discord or, um, you know, those types of things, WebEx, to play as a play together, but do it in a virtual way. So there's a lot more focus on Twitch um, gaming. D and D Live is seeing a big uh, again. That there's been podcasts and there's been D and D Live for a couple of years, but it, but with Twitch and D and D Live and with the pandemic. Now it's seeing a, revol a revolution in a new format. Um, so we're starting to see more of that. How do, you, how do you board game? How do you get that social experience? How do you get the physical experience with the board game and yet do that virtually? So 
um, fascinating. I think those are all really key to the world as we know it today. And I think it'll be, it's, it's a lot to, to look forward to, I think, in the future. Yeah, there was so much out there to really keep an eye on. One interesting thing about the Bill and Ted panel was they asked Samara Weaving if she was more familiar with Bill and with Keanu Reeves from, um, like, John Wick and that thing. And she said, no, I know him more as the guy who killed my uncle. And if you uh, put two and two together, her uncle is Hugo Weaving, who he fought in the Matrix. So there was an interesting little connection there that nobody had caught on. The, uh, Kevin Smith moderated the panel. And he was absolutely blown away by it. And he was like, oh, that's right. I'd forgotten about that. So a lot of interesting, fun things there. One of the things that I uh, I had a bunch, so I whipped through them really quick. But like the Star Trek panel, I, I was really happy to see during the Picard one that uh, Brent Spiner, Jonathan Frakes, and Marina Sirtis were on board, as well as the um, rest of the cast, the Discovery crew, uh, did a table read of the last episode. I was surprised they didn't have any new uh, footage to show or announce a season three date. And then, of course, we got the look at Star Trek Lower Decks. But one of the great things about the Picard panel was Marina Sirtis was just ripping on Patrick Stewart big time. They were, you know, you could tell there's a lot of love amongst the cast. And some of the new crew and cast were talking about how kind he is and how generous he is. And Marina kept interrupting, saying, Oh, please, do you know how many years we had to work on him to get him to this state? You you know, you've got him for the, uh, you know, after we got through with him. Because, you know, what, seven seasons of the show, four movies, so, and countless convention appearances. That was really cute. And they also hinted at um, these new series that is start Strange New World with Picard, excuse me, with uh, Christopher Pike and stuff like that. They've already outlined most of the season, so it was nice to see that there's some progress on that one. Um, the New Mutants was a rather interesting one, and I think what struck me most about it was they had a sense of humor. A lot of people thought this was going to be, a, oh, it's coming to Disney+, Plus. they're going to make the announcement. And they came out, and they started showing all the projected release dates for the film, and every time one came on, there was a line drawn through it. And after, like, a few of those... They started filling the screen with all these negative comments that people had put online about the film, like, uh, you know, at least my grandkids someday will get a chance to see this film and so on and so forth. And then they put out a date, and right after it said, fingers crossed. Now, I think, you know, late August is probably too optimistic at this point, but, you know, the fact is they're still trying to do a theatrical release of it. They had, uh, they showed the opening scene, they showed some stuff, so, you know, the hype's there. Um, I thought definitely, for me, the most creative panel I saw all weekend was Superstore, in that each one of the cast members did their own little individualized sketch before they went into the panel. I mean, you had uh, one of them was camped out waiting for uh, Comic-Con Hall H. I thought uh, Colton Hayes' um, classic one where he, uh, he made himself some nachos. And uh, he was in the backyard, and he, of course, he spills them, and his dog ends up eating them. But he, he uh, joked about getting the authentic convention experience because he made the nachos. And then just to get the full effect, he said, I flushed $20 down the toilet. So I thought that was pretty humorous. And they went into the show. They discussed about the chaos of uh, last season where they still had one episode to go and you have a major cast member leaving, and the second half of that episode was supposed to tie that up. 
and they said literally it was insane they had uh, just finished something and they were all told everything's fine everything's fine and like two days later everything was shut down so they said it was it was chaos because they didn't get to complete the season they're sitting there going well when we are able to film again we're going to have to try to resolve that or potentially just clarify some of that unfilmed episode in dialogue move on from there that sort of thing so a lot of fun there uh the boys was very interesting we have some uh coverage coming up from them down the line but really liked what i saw um winona earp uh was a huge hit because a lot of people don't know they have not been on the air in two years even though they've already announced season five season four had been a long time coming and we'd heard that this was mainly due to the production company having some cash flow problems but they arrived and showed off a extended clip and we talked about Constantine we talked about Bill and Ted the Blade Runner comic from Titan comic Blade Runner 2019 very intrigued by this because there's a Blade Runner animated show uh, in the works and this is a look at the world of Blade Runner around the first film but it's not going to follow Rick Decker there's female Blade Runners there's other Blade Runners we get to see a bigger you know, uh, look at the universe, possibly including the colony world, so excited about that. AMC had a huge production with Walking Dead. They had all three of the shows there. They mentioned that Walking Dead World Beyond is a limited series. It's only set for two seasons, so interesting there. And then, of course, they had Nosferatu, which is always a classic. I've been covering that since the start at WonderCon, and then, you know, saw the premiere episode we had panel interviews there at san diego comic-con we've done some online lots of good stuff there we talked about the fox animated shows uh was surprised uh family guy did not have new footage to show but bob's burgers did american dad had some new footage um the simpsons even had a very light run and they already took a shot at disney i don't know if you got a chance to see it but it was a quick clip from the Halloween episode and a pumpkin comes out and this uh, princess comes out and it's Homer and they referred to she introduces herself as Disney Princess Homer and but has to sing all her dialogue and sing Homer's classic Dope! and that was funny so you know we'll see how that uh, unfolds and then uh, you mentioned Kevin Smith that was very interesting as well especially i'm very curious with shutter's success with their version of creep show which is more episodic uh and so on how uh this will be received but the final two things i wanted to hit up were uh what we do in the shadows and i'm a big fan of the show and i really learned so much about this like for example they film it at night up in canada and the cast was joking about you know I get we're vampires so obviously we have to film at night we can't be out there in the daylight but they said you know that's not fake snow on the ground we're filming up there in the middle of the winter time in the cold at night and stuff like that and they said you run through the whole season and you'd be amazed because they're on the schedule where they like the vampires sleep during the day come out and work at night and they said it, it gets really weird because your skin starts to get a little uh, funny from not getting daylight and stuff like that so that was really fascinating and they talked about um, what would be coming up and I really enjoyed a Deep Blue C3 that was an interesting look but Stumptown I thought had a fantastic panel where they 
talked about season one. They talked about some of the slight changes from the graphic novel to the show. They talked about doing their premiere last year and what they hope to see, storylines. You know, we were told that they're casting for Dex's mother, so uh, we're going to have someone interesting in that regard. They had a fantastic one where they went around the cast and they talked to them about kind of music that you they want to see on the show since that is a huge part of the show. They talked about how the uh, creative team is very open to suggestions, that sort of thing. So it'll be very interesting to see what they have. I know a little later today I plan on popping in to see Nathan Fillion's and the Goldbergs, uh, intrigued by Next, and of course got to look at Motherhood, Fort Salem and stuff. So a lot of good stuff there. So guys, uh, we've got San Diego Comic-Con pretty much, and of course Gabby as well. We've got uh, everything pretty much all wrapped up here. So looking forward, uh, the next few weeks, we don't really have any panels. I mean, there's QuakeCon at home, which is going to be uh, a lot of gaming, and then we have PAX, which is going to be in September this year, and we're still waiting to see how that all plays out. So I guess we'll go around. I'll put everyone on the spot here. And um, we'll start with Gabby. What is something coming up that you're looking forward to in the world of pop culture? Ooh, that's that's tough. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know, I've, I've lately been on like a big anime kick, and so um, like Fruits Basket season two just finished releasing. So pop culture wise, like seeing kind of those shows coming up. Netflix has been putting a lot of like original cartoons up. I know I mentioned Hoops with San Diego Comic-Con, so that's going to be on there. Um, but I'm really excited to kind of see like the newer um, anime shows that are like coming out and like the simulcasts of everything that's happening since I don't know if like dubbing of like American um, like American voice actors is happening during quarantine. Um, so I'm pretty excited about that, but I, I obviously have to mention Wonder Woman 1984. Like, I feel like that I'm super pumped about. I, I think they pushed it to August, right? So I don't know. I don't know if that's actually going to happen. I believe um, it was November they pushed it back. November? Okay. Yeah, so, everything's musical chairs. I mean, I think we've talked about this a lot on the show, and I'm trying not to be cynical, but I think we can all pretty much agree that you're not going to see widespread releases in August. I just don't see any way that's going to happen. I still think September's too early. Um, if things trend downward, you might see some people testing the water in October. But, you know, I think the industry is kind of saying, well, hopefully November we can get some of these things out for the holidays. But I've also heard that a lot of them are saying, you know, the 2020 season might be a write-off. And they're actually looking at... Um, staggered releases uh, in terms of the foreign markets have been apparently on them quite a bit saying look in some cases we're now 70 to 80 percent of your revenue we're not like the old days where it was North America Japan Australia and uh, Western Europe you know now you have places like China which are massive box offices you have places uh, in e you know Eastern Europe and other places that were never in the picture for first run theatrical releases and now they're huge cash cows and a lot of them are coming forward saying look we got our theaters open we've got this thing under much better shape yeah we're at reduced capacity and spacing and all this but 
why should we be penalized when we have our act together uh, and we can show these films, you need to start releasing all this content over here and then just get it to the states when it's able. So that is something that's kind of been looked at as they might start doing staggered rollouts and if some states are safe to open theaters, they might roll them out there versus others. But it's it's all, in, you know, like we said, it's an unknown um, situation and they're going to play it as they go. Uh, Justin, your take, what are you looking forward to? Yeah, that is a good question. It's because, uh, you know, a lot of the events that we knew were coming up were, were kind of over, like SDCC and, uh, you know, the Xbox event and the PlayStation event. Um, that being said, you know, uh, I think in roughly 30 days we have Gamescom, which will be done di digitally, which I think is going to be pretty big. Um, also, you know, I've heard some rumors and some rumblings that maybe uh, Sony would be doing another digital event sometime uh, yeah, so I think that'll be pretty cool. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, they had a pretty huge event earlier that we talked about. Um, but, um, you know, if they have another event to kind of round out the, the pre-release of the PS5, I think that will be pretty huge as well. So I'm looking forward to both of those and, uh, you know, whatever else kind of surprises that we, uh, we see in the next couple months. Uh, and Michael, your take, please. Yeah, I agree with Gamescom. I, I, Gamescom has kind of become the E3 of the Europe world, so I'll be. I, I'm curious to see if we're going to see some big announcements, um, because it is virtual. It, it has. They haven't shied away from doing big announcements in the past, so I will be curious if we start if we see some big announcement at the Gamescom um, convention. So that's something to look forward to. Um, Gen Con is doing online events as well um the end of i think next weekend i want to say is when it is um i don't know how well that's going to be taken again we're talking board game stuff um but we will likely get to see some game announcement type board game announcement type stuff um they are going to be doing some online uh stuff as well some um you know workshop seminars and probably some live board game tutorials you know gameplay um, virtual gameplay with other folks, that sort of thing. Uh, so it'll be curious to see how Gen Con manages in this COVID-19 world that we're in. And then, of course, PAX um, online, uh, you know, how, how, do, how does PAX, you know, what do we do with PAX? How is that event going to be managed, um, et cetera? So, yeah, it's, I think, at least for the foreseeable future, I think the online um, conference venue is the way we're going to be going. I know for things like SDCC, I think they put together a great show, but you do kind of lose some of the, the magic when you're doing this virtually, when you're watching it on YouTube versus being in person, sitting in a chair, being engaged. I know for me personally, one of the issues that I have with the online events outside of not being able to meet up with your con friends and, and being able to interact with those folks is just the engagement factor. I mean, I think it's different when you're in a ballroom watching somebody on stage where you're engaged versus being at home on a tablet while you have other things going on that are distracting you, um, whether that be pets or kids or uh, other events that are going on or just simply watching TV and having distractions. I think it kind of takes you out of the moment a bit. Um, but again, I, I like to see that they're at least trying to give fans an opportunity uh, for these events. It'll be curious what they do with Comic-Con next year if they're going to, you know, assuming everything is back to quote unquote normal, 
and they do have SDCC going on next year. Are they going to look to do some of this um, online for folks who are not able to attend as well? Um, is this going to be maybe a new uh, hybrid mix for those so people can still partake even though they can't get tickets? It'll be curious to see. So yeah, I think again in this world, there's you know there's still stuff going on, still a lot of events to be excited about, uh, but just a little bit uh, different in how we expect to handle those. Yeah, it's for me. It's I'm curious to see what exactly is coming next. And by that I mean, you know, we've got Ben covering Gen Con. You guys mentioned Gamescom. You mentioned uh, we've we've talked about PAX. I'm looking at it from a standpoint that usually right about this point, you got a week or two where things calm down after San Diego Comic Con. You don't get a lot of entertainment news for a bit, and then. Um, you start to get some things for PAX. Now, traditionally, we've always talked about PAX is not the place that reveals happen. It's the place where you get your hands-on. There are times at E3, which has done more and more reveals of late, I mean, more and more hands-on of late, where I remember the going to many E3s where it was mostly all just demos and stuff like that, and you didn't get a lot of hands-on with the announced games, and that's changed over the years. But little things like for example there's no there's nothing on the new call of duty normally by now we've seen it and played it in some cases at e3 there's nothing there hasn't been a trailer there have been a couple of light leaks but nothing so you know are we going to see that at gamescom is this going to be part of the next sony showcases we thought it might be at the last one who knows who knows but we do know one is coming this year and i'm very curious to see what we're going to get uh, entertainment-wise. We know the animated films are coming at the... Uh, animated shows are coming at the end of September. Um, there is a show filming in Canada right now, and they were talking during their panel at Comic-Con that, to the best of their knowledge, they are the only production currently filming in Canada. And they talked about how they had to go through a lot of hoops and legal uh, maneuvering and stuff like this in order to be able to film and that sort of thing so I'm curious to see how that um, will play out and when the filming will ramp up even more I did an interview with someone last week who is a production designer on The Masked Singer and he pretty much indicated they're already moving ahead with stuff and uh, this, this fascinated me like for example folks you know how they have the whole thing about plexiglass dividers and all of that in the movie theaters and oh, the yeah. businesses. He said, yeah. they op he said they're not doing that. And he said they had to redesign the judges panel in order to meet the new requirements. Like, for example, I'd heard that on average it cost about $10,000 more a day to film under the new guidelines. But then some have said, well, that's actually can be mitigated because you don't have as many people on set as you used to and that sort of thing. So everyone's learning. But like he said... You'll probably see a lot more digital production like they do on The Mandalorian with the virtual sets and stuff like that. But he talked about the um, judges table, for example, and I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing some things here, so bear with me. But essentially, they felt that these shows are to be an escape and entertainment. If you turn on and here are the judges basically in plexiglass cages, it's a stark reminder of what's happening in the world today. So they felt, okay, let's design a new stage where the judges are spaced further, 
meeting the health and safety requirements, but they don't have the plexiglass around them. So that when viewers tune in, you see a, at least a semblance of what would be normal. The judges sitting there at the table, so on and so forth. The reality is, of course, they're just spaced further apart. Uh, and to do that, and he said, that's, that's kind of something you might see. And there was a lot of discussion about um, would, you know, our show's going to start addressing the current world situation. And that's, that's all something that has to be determined down the line because, uh, you know, many of them right now are nothing more than plotted out. They haven't done any filming, but with any luck, that should ramp up in the next few weeks. So I'm curious about how that's going to happen. Um, but I'm, I'm really curious about the gaming industry because outside of a few delays, a lot of the people I've spoken to have said, yeah, there's a delay here and there, but we're still fairly close to being able to hit uh, production marks on a lot of these things. They've been cranking out content. So I'm really curious to see what's going to be announced next. And I think for me, my big thing is show us what games are coming. Let us know when the TV stuff is filming again so we can start looking forward to a fall season because right now it's a lot of mid-season replacements and stuff. They've been holding on for this uh, reason because when it became abundantly clear in March that filming was going to stop, a lot of things that they were going to release as summer filler they held on to just so they could have fresh content down the line. And, uh, you know, from that, it, it's it's all the big mystery. You know, what what is going to happen? I mean, um, I you know, I'll say it. I don't think they're going to have a problem with this. We got a um, – I, Michael, I don't know. Did you get any emails from CES? Uh, I'm trying to think if I've got anything recent, but pro I probably have. I just don't recall anything. They sent a uh, email to me, a survey about. I want to say it might have been almost two months ago. Now it's it's a little ways back. The days blur, and essentially they asked. Um, you know, I'll simplify it. It was a pretty detailed survey, but they asked, "Hey, uh, do you still plan on coming to the show in January?" And of course, the standard response for most people was, "Well, yeah, if it's safe, and obviously they won't hold it if it's not." But then, as they went down the list, there were all these things like, you know. If a vaccine or viable treatment was available, would you feel comfortable coming? And then they started having things like, would you be willing to have a health screening at the door before being allowed in? Would you be okay with a having to wear a mask while you were in the facility? And they even got detailed enough to say, would you be willing to show that you've had an antibody test, a vaccine, or at the very least a health check within two weeks of appearing at the show. They even went to say, you know, if a serum thing is there, would you be willing to give a finger prick of blood so they could, you know, check you for things right there on the spot? And it, it, it just was rather interesting, and it got me thinking, you know, I remember what the doctor said to me uh, about a month ago. He said, even if there is a vaccine, you're looking at maybe 20% effectiveness with the first one. And he said, you know, people think that it's going to be this magical, hey, take a vaccine and everything's fine and dandy, let's go back to the way they were. And he said it doesn't work that way. It takes time to vaccinate people. It takes time to build up the immunity. And above that, he said, people are still going to have to do the masks and the social distancing until we're sure that it's worked its way around and that it's effective. And so like we were talking about conventions and I said so basically 
what I'm hearing is take your vaccine and mask up and then go do your things. And he said, yeah, that's basically the way he sees it is that, for example, they may be able to open Comic-Con and things like that next year, assuming there's a vaccine and the numbers are down, which we certainly hope they will be. But you're probably still going to see things like, um, hey, you know, it's a good idea to keep your mask on when you're in the main hall or, you know, think in the large group areas at least into 2022. So I think there'll definitely be some accommodation there, but I, I, I would like to think that most people would say, I'm okay with wearing my mask and going in there. I've seen some people get very creative and they've incorporated them into their cosplay for their virtual cosplays and stuff. So who knows? I, I just, I'm really curious about where we're gonna go. My, as I've told Michael off air, my biggest concern is when we get to the cooler weather, I know in the Northeast and Gabby, your area, so on and so forth, when the weather gets cooler, people will be less inclined to go out. However, it's also cold and flu season. And then you get to places like here, when it gets cooler, people want to go out. And I, you know, I'm sitting here going, I'm really concerned about Halloween. I mean, right now it's, I'm already worried we're gonna have the people that were out doing Memorial Day and uh, 4th of July are gonna be out masking again for Labor Day. They're gonna be out having their Halloween parties. And then as I told my wife, I'm, what are we gonna do about Thanksgiving, Christmas, Hanukkah, and New Year? I just, you know, I could see people saying, forget it, I'm not gonna stay at home. I'm going out and I'm doing this. And you can imagine everyone's gonna wanna be at the mall. I mean, online shopping's gonna be out there. And so that's my big concern because as we've seen, when you open things up early, there was a cascading effect that made things literally either worse or back to where we started. And I'm just really curious to see if people are going to have the patience to go through this again, or if it's simply gonna turn into a, you know, a free for all where it's, hey, I'm gonna go out and do this. I know my wife joked about Halloween this year is gonna be sitting on the driveway, throwing candy at kids as they cross in the middle of the street. You know, they, no, no kid, don't come up here. I'm not handing it to you. Just stand over there, open your bag and I'll try to, you know, jump shot it in. So crazy stuff there, but let's hope that there are better days ahead. You know, you gotta keep thinking that's gonna be the way things go and yeah. Well, until next week, everybody, thank you so much for listening and you have a very safe and happy week and we'll talk to you soon.